to the Big Time Show. I'm Dr. Chuck Tingle, your host and world's greatest author, coming to you from Billings, Montana, the dream state. Have you ever had a lonesome way? I know that as many of Chuck, I seem like I've got it all heckin' figured out. Yeah, you probably listen in and say, whoa, what a guy, Dr. Tingle must be living large, not a care in the world, probably lives in a castle with a moat, or maybe a spaceship full of handsome unicorns. Well, guess what, buddy? I'm just a normal guy like you, no big deal. So even though I have son John around, and Chloe, and even Truckman when he's not stabbing me, I still hear the call of the lonesome train sometimes. As me the name of Chuck, I think most important thing to understand about the call of the lonesome train is that it is normal to hear this way. You are not uh, out of your dang head like a box of nuts. You're just being a human being. This is the way we all are, because we are curious about the timeline around us, and especially the timeline after us. This is where the lonesome train comes in. This train has a feeling of change. It has many stations along its path, and that can be dang scary. But, but its final station is most scary of all. Nobody knows where the heck it goes. Does it disappear forever into nothing? Late at night is when I hear this call the most. It makes me feel strange. Uh, it makes me think about how much I'm going to miss everyone when I have to ride this train one day. Sometimes it's hard to sleep with these thoughts barking their way through my head. But it also gives me a lot to appreciate. Now when I hear the call of the lonesome train, I think, Not today, buddy. Because call of the lonesome train is distant. And I have so much time to love and trot playfully and be proud of my way. I can spend time with son John and Chloe and sweet Barbara. I think, think it is important not to let this call bring you down into the void. Because even though this train is scary, it is not of the void. It is just part of life on this timeline. We come to this timeline, and then we'll leave. And then, then that's always been the heckin' way. Instead, I think, better appreciate the time I've got. Better spend this day in a dang good way. The other thing to think on is that we all have to ride this train. It is the one thing that every buckaroo has done before us. So even though this call can sound very lonesome when it's whistling through the night, this train is actually packed as heck. There are so many people on the lonesome train, and it's really not all that lonesome. Today's story is about an author with a lonesome way who learns that the world is not so lonesome after all. Sometimes it might feel like we are in an empty place, but this timeline is full of love, 
There are so many buckaroos out there who are moving through this timeline with you. You know, you might never even meet them, but they are there. And this ride ain't so lonesome after all, buddy. Now please enjoy Samantha Urbani reading classic Tingler, lonely author pounded by dinosaur social media followers. Lonely author pounded by dinosaur social media followers by Dr. Chuck Tingle. For a writer like myself, inspiration is one of the most valuable resources there is, and for the most part, my creative well stays relatively full. As a successful erotic author, most of what I do involves creating brief moments of fantasy, short stories that are meant to titillate and excite until the reader and tale reach their eventual climax. Thanks to this, I've written a massive variety of scenarios that run the whole gamut of settings and characters. Their creativity has flown freely for years, a seemingly endless stream of sexual adventure. That is, until recently. Suddenly, I find myself searching desperately for something new and interesting. It's not so much that I can't coax out an original idea, more like I find myself hating every original idea that happens to be coaxed. Everything seems boring and played out, my love of writing and my drive to create simply withering away as time goes on. Before long, I realize the sad truth. I'm depressed. Unfortunately, depression is something that is not just cured simply by recognizing it. In fact, the existence of a cure itself is debatable. Still, I have to try. I start by going for daily walks to the nearby coffee shop where everyone seems to know my name at this point. It's nice to get out of the house, feel the fresh Montana air across my skin, and share a few minor interactions with other human beings, but it's not nearly enough. I try to spend more time with my family, but they seem to be engaged in other matters for the time being. I've slowed down into a sad shell of my former self. I can't fault the world for continuing to spin at a normal rate around me. The sun will still rise and set, regardless of whether or not I'm smiling while it happens. Damn, Chuck, that's deep. Long ago, when I was feeling down in the dumps, I would have gladly thrown myself into my writing to lift my spirits, but these days, that is not an option. Tonight, I've hit rock bottom of my sadness, or at least what I hope is the bottom. I can barely find the energy to get out of bed. Simply opting out of tonight's spaghetti and meatballs dinner. Fuck, you know you got it bad when you can't eat spaghetti. I can always eat spaghetti, even when I feel like shit. I gotta get that spaghetti. All right. I lay on the couch at my office and stare at the ceiling, analyzing its particular shade of whiteness instead of thinking any thoughts of real consequence. For a brief moment, I consider what it would be like if I was never born. Would the world really care if best-selling author Buck Trungle was no longer in it? I let a long sigh. <laughs> Probably not. <laughs> Who's Buck Trungle? <laughs> He's a different guy. Okay. <laughs> I thought this this lead character, this this protagonist, was Chuck Tingle, but I guess it's Buck Trungle. All right. It's at that very moment that I hear a loud digital chime from my desktop computer across the room. I've received a new message on Torter, my social media platform of choice. I like to use Torter as well. That's T-O-R-T-E-R, not to be confused with Twitter. With every bit of effort that I can muster, 
I sit up on the couch and then climb to my feet. I had been in such a deep, dark trance that I had no idea I'd been crying. My eyes now wet and red from the tears. I stagger over to my writing desk and sit down, then shake my computer's mouse, illuminating the screen. I have one new notification. I click on the icon and suddenly a brief sentence pops up onto my screen, publicly posted for the whole world to see. Come visit me soon. I read out loud. Would love to see you. The message is from my friend and fellow erotic author, Bunter Cox. Part of me wants to respond, but for some reason, I just can't bring myself to do it. My brain simply unable to will my fingers into lifting and typing out the words. He's fucked up, man. I take a deep breath and begin to stand up again, when suddenly another digital chime rings out through the office. I check the notification and see that it's from Denard Lelaney, another fellow author. Checked out the new book, it reads. Really great stuff. Can't wait for the next one. A smile slowly crosses my face. At least some people out there care about me. Still, it's not enough to find the inspiration I'm looking for. Encouragement from my peers may keep me from falling deeper into this overwhelming depression, but it's still not going to give me that spark of creativity I so desperately crave. At this point, I've tried everything, my stories evolving farther and farther into a self-referential universe. They are as meta as they can get, breaking through the fourth wall and then some, yet I feel like there's nowhere left to go. In one of my latest erotic shorts, the character himself even started to realize that he was a fictional character, which was certainly interesting to write. Unfortunately, I found myself wanting more. It was one thing for a fictional character to realize that he was simply words on a page, but how could I get the writer himself to realize that too? Or even the reader? No matter how hard I try, it seems like an impossible task. One that will simply drive me farther and farther into sadness and longing. Is the character real? Is the author? There is really no way to tell. If I was to cut myself and bleed out onto this keyboard, would my blood truly exist in a vibrant red? Or would it be black ink on a white page that I will never truly be aware of? As I sit here pondering in sadness, my eyes drift to the two new messages on my computer screen. One from Bunter and the other one from Denard. I suddenly realize that the answer to one of these questions is quite literally at my fingertips. I lurch forward and immediately type out a short message across the keyboard, slapping the enter key confidently as I blast it out to all of my Twitter followers. I thought we were on Twitter. Are you real or just fake imaginations? Cool tweet. I'd retweet that. It's not long before the answers start coming back with a resounding yes. Fans and peers alike begin to reach out online. Seeky Darsust torts, I'm as real as you are, Buck. While Boar Brine says, Of course, Buck. We are your biggest fans. We love you. A nice reviewer named Deja Mall says, I'm real and waiting for your next erotic tale. Everyone is so supportive, but their words still leave me with a strange emptiness. Despite their assurances, how could I ever know if these people are real? Are they who they say they are? 
When I was writing about the man who had no idea he was a character in a book, everything seemed real to him despite its absurdity. And even though these online responses appear to make sense, how could I ever truly know? More importantly, is this the key to renewing my ever-evasive inspiration? If I could somehow find a way to peer past the veil of reality and recognize my own world as real or written, could I then find motivation in that? If only there was a way to know that these other authors were real. Suddenly, it hits me. Filled with excitement, I type another message and post it to my torter wall. If I teleport you here, can you prove to me that you're real and this is not a book? More answers begin pouring in left and right. Benny Bath, Persace Tad, Canna Hatherine, and more all immediately respond with assurances of their existence as real flesh and blood human beings, not just figments of my imagination or words upon a page. Canna Nuilom and Watt Mightbed from Zubfeed Magazine, a prominent Billings publication, both assure me that they were not written into existence by any author, especially not me. Finally, after receiving countless messages promising to me that this world is quite real, I respond to each and every one of them, all the way back to Bunter Cox, with very specific teleportation directions. I stand up from my writing desk and then head out into the hallway, walking down it with nervous excitement until I reach my teleportation room and step inside. Excuse me. <laughs> yes, I think it was all my spaghetti. <laughs> I can see that the teleporter is already humming with activity, buzzing softly with blue light in the darkened room. The control panel shows that several of my torture followers have activated the code, connecting their teleportation chambers to mine and securing the link for safe travels. Dude, I want a torture teleportator. Suddenly, there is a loud crackle of energy as the first traveler arrives, their body assembling from the billion reconstructed atoms before my very eyes. According to my control panel, this arrival should be none other than my fellow author, Bunter Cox. But I gasp aloud when his presence finally manifests itself. The arrival is much different than I expected. Instead of the handsome, smiling young man that I anticipated to find standing before me, I am now face to face with a fearsome, scaly dinosaur. Are you? Uh, uh, I stammer. Uh, are you Bunter Cox? The raptor nods. Why would you pretend to be a human? I demand to know, equal parts disappointed and intrigued. I don't understand. I was never pretending, Bunter Cox says in his deep, oh, deep raptor voice. I had a little different voice. You never asked. <laughs> but this is absurd, I shout, losing my temper slightly. If you're a dinosaur, then I know this can't be real. I must be a character in a book. The dinosaur scoffs. <coughs> you don't think it was absurd that you had a teleporter in your house? I think about this for a moment, not wanting to believe the answer that sits so defiantly in the forefront of my mind. I guess you're right, I finally say. When is this pounding going to start? Suddenly, more and more of my torture followers begin to arrive via the teleportation chamber. 
Not a single one of them is human. Each and every one of them a handsome gay dinosaur that also happens to be incredibly well endowed. Before I know it, I am completely surrounded by a room full of my prehistoric online friends. All of you! I shout, throwing my hands up in the air. Each and every one of you is just a gay dinosaur? The crowd of reptilian beasts nods. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I'm just a character in a book, even though I wrote a book about that very idea? I continue, exasperated. The dinosaur is not again. Yeah. Yeah. Then who is writing this book? I ask. Bunter steps forward. Chuck Tingle, he says. I hesitate, trying to let it all sink in. My mind is having a hard time keeping pace against the powerful emotions that flood my senses with anxiety and wonder. Who is Chuck Tingle? I ask. Dr. Chuck Tingle is an erotic author and Taekwondo grandmaster, almost black belt, from Billings, Montana. The handsome dinosaur begins in an almost mechanical tone. After receiving his PhD at DeVry University in holistic massage, Chuck found himself fascinated by all things sensual, leading to his creation of The Tingler, a story so blissfully erotic that could not be experienced without eliciting a sharp tingle down the spine. (laughs) That sounds just like me, I tell him. Of course it does, Bunter replies. You're based on him. Ah! But I already wrote a story like this, I cry out. It's called Reamed by My Reaction to the Title of This Book. The dinosaur chuckles. (laughs) Well, Chuck wrote that you wrote it, technically. There's a lot of layers, and it's all very confusing, really. But it's my life, I yell. Bunter shrugs. I don't know what to tell you. I let a long sigh, (sighs) trying to settle my mood and collect myself. (sighs) Well, now that you're all here, would you like some spaghetti? I ask the gang of dinosaurs. (laughs) I love this party. I mean, even if it's not real, we can at least have a good time. (laughs) With some spaghetti. (laughs) It's been a while since I've been this happy. As I look out across the kitchen of hungry prehistoric beasts that wolf down their sauce and noodles, I finally get a sense of belonging in this world. Now that I've realized I was only being written as depressed, it was fairly easy to change my way of thinking. I might not be totally inspired yet, but I'm certainly on my way. Funny enough, this is completely opposite of the reaction that my character had while writing reamed by my reaction to the title of this book. In that story, the character's realization of his fictional state is absolutely devastating, but for me, it's quite freeing. There is no part of me that is concerned with what will happen to me after the book ends because I realize now that all of this is nothing more than a short bit of entertainment for my readers. I will not die because I was never alive. This is so fascinating, I tell one of the dinosaur torture followers. I can't believe we're all just words on a page. Or an e-reader, replies the stegosaurus. Probably an e-reader. So who do you think is writing this, I ask? Chuck Dangle, 
says the stegosaurus through a mouthful of spaghetti. But who is writing him, I continue. Everyone has to be written by somebody else, right? The dinosaur shakes his head. I don't think that's how it works. There has to be an end. Why, I continue. Chuck wrote me, and I wrote someone else. And in that story, someone else wrote someone else. The stegosaurus rolls his eyes. Stop! You're giving me a headache. I mean, logistically, don't you think that someone had to write Chuck? I ask. What kind of name is Chuck, anyway? That can't be a real person. Uh, I think room service is at the door. It might be some more spaghetti. More spaghetti? Yeah. Do you want to get it? Sure, sure. Cool. It could be a dinosaur torture follower. Thank you. Thanks so much. Did we just get a gift? This appears to be for Mark. Nice. Set it up a nice old bottle of wine. Some bodyola. Mmm, bodyola. Bodyola. Give me that bodyola. The room service came up and all he brought was this bodyola. <laughs> Hey, room service, we didn't order this body. You to take it back. Wow. Okay. A triceratops joins us and interjects. What kind of name is Buck Trungle? Are you kidding me? <laughs> That's exactly my point, I tell him. I'm fake. So is Chuck, too. Right? I think Chuck is real. Chimes in one of the other torture follower dinosaurs from across the kitchen. I don't think anyone is riding him. Oh yeah? Why is that? I ask. Because he was the first person to push the big red button. The beast says flatly. Oh wait, let me say a little more flatly. Because he was the first person to push the big red button. The beast says flatly. The prehistoric creatures all stop as they hear this. The words big red button seeming to hang menacingly in the air above us. What's the big red button, I ask. The dinosaur who spoke up wipes his spaghetti sauce from his mouth with a massive green claw. His eyes narrow. Are you sure you want to know? The beast asks. I mean, I shouldn't even be saying this, but I speak what he types, and he seems a little distracted. Distracted, I ask. The TV is on, explains the dinosaur. He's writing these words, but he's not really thinking about the consequences. I mean, he could always go back and edit this out later, but we'll see what happens. I glance across the kitchen and into the living room, where my television sits comfortably in the off position. The TV is on? Not yours, dummy. The dinosaur clarifies, the writers. I nod, finally understanding. Despite being distracted by the television, the author lets me know that the dinosaur is Denard Lelaney, just for the sake of clarity, although I probably could have figured it out from the shades. Denard always wears shades. The author considers whether or not Denard will be bothered by his inclusion in this book, and then decides that it's probably fine. The author then returns to a state of mindless writing while the television continues to drone on and on in the background. So, what's the big red button? I ask, trying to get as many answers as I can before the sex starts and it all goes to hell. 
The big red button is something that the author found on his way to the coffee shop one morning. Denard tells me. The real author. Chuck? I ask. Yes. The dinosaur nods. In his world, there are no unicorns or dinosaurs, at least still alive, and there are certainly no big feet. What? I ask, astonished. Why wouldn't there be talking big feet? Seriously, says Denard. This is what I like to call the first world. If you follow the chain all the way back, <laughs> this is where our universe begins. Well, that's incredible, I say. So what happened when he found this box? Well, there was a big red button inside, explains the dinosaur. And of course, who's going to find a big red button in a box and not push it? Naturally, I agree. So the author starts pushing this button. And every time the button gets pushed, it creates another layer. Not in his world, but in our world. Do you understand? This <laughs> is crazy. I shake my head no. Look at it this way. In fictional space, there's no laws of time, space, anything. If the author wants a billionaire jet plane to show up in your backyard, he could do that at the snap of his fingers. Denard explains. And I suddenly notice some flashing lights outside of the kitchen window behind Denard's head. I stand up and walk over to the window, peering out to see an incredibly handsome jet plane laying face up in the backyard. He's shuffling a deck of cards, but stops when he sees me. You want to learn how to count cards? The plane asks. I shake my head and then turn back to the dinosaurs in the kitchen. That's so fucking weird, I say. Denard shrugs. Eh, it makes more sense if you read the book. So what's your point, I start. What does that have to do with layers? Do you know what the Opitz Cavagia syndrome is? Denard questions. I shake my head. Let's just say that the author could keep track of a lot of things at once, explains the dinosaur. I have no idea what happens in the real world when you press the button, but in here it creates another layer to the universe. A deeper, gayer layer. <laughs> Whoa, I love deeper, gayer layers. <clears throat> gayer? I ask, but I'm straight. The dinosaur laughs. <laughs> Trust me, that's what they all say. I like this. Your life is just one of many in a collection of short stories that all take place within the same universe called the Tingleverse. Okay, I say nodding. I understand this part because I wrote about it in one of my books. So within the Tingleverse, there are several interlocking worlds. Some of them more gay than others, but all existing at the same time. The world's gayness depends on how many times a button has been pushed. Sometimes the world will seem almost real with just a few details missing, while others will seem downright ridiculous to the reader. Okay, where are we now? I ask. A smile creeps across Denard's face. Oh, we're deep. There's a card counting plane in your backyard. <laughs> I'm still confused, I admit. Like, if we're all just existing as fictional characters in this layered universe of extreme gayness, then what's the point of it all? Why keep pushing the button? I'd love to tell you, Denard says, standing up and grasping tightly onto his massive dinosaur erection. <laughs> but we're out of time. Oh no, we know what's going to happen next. Ah! Suddenly, I find myself utterly overwhelmed with gay lust. 
I drop down to my knees as the gay dinosaurs begin to surround me with their utterly massive dicks. Do you want to all fuck me at the same time? I coo out of nowhere. Do you want to take me in my little gay asshole? The circle of dinosaurs begin to tighten slowly around me, their massive erect cocks moving closer and closer towards my face. Suddenly overwhelmed with lust, I grab a cock in each hand and begin to pump my fingers up and down across their throbbing members, providing them with the sensation that they so desperately crave. The dinosaurs reel with satisfaction as I touch them, reptilian eyes closed and muscular, scaly bodies quaking. Their cocks are enormous and hard as rocks within my grip, which quickens with every stroke. Soon enough, I'm beating them off ferociously, giving the monsters everything I've got as I work their huge shafts. It's got pretty fucking deep pretty fast. Dinosaur dicks everywhere. I'm too overwhelmingly horny to think, completely consumed by my arousal. Consequences be damned, I want these prehistoric beasts to take me in any way that they'd like. The dinosaurs push forward and surround me with their giant dicks, vying for attention. <laughs> I immediately take one of them into my mouth, swallowing him down as far as I can, and then rapidly bobbing my head across the shaft. Meanwhile, I continue to pump my hands along the cocks of the monsters on either side of me, expertly satisfying all three of them at once. Do my friends want to come in now? Let's bring them in. Yeah, let's bring in my friends. They can, you guys really picked, like, the raunchiest part possible. Welcome back inside. There's dinosaur dicks everywhere right now. It's crazy. How big are they? They're enormous. And they're scaly, and they're hard as a rock. You really missed the whole setup, but... I'm pretty stoned right now. Okay. <laughs> I think being stoned and hearing what's what happening... Got? What you got there? You got some jelly beans? All right, just imagine you're, like, at a movie, and you're just eating your jelly beans, and you're about to be really entertained. The dinosaurs push forward and surround me with their giant dicks, vying for attention. I immediately take one of them into my mouth, swallowing them down as far as I can, then rapidly bobbing my head across its shaft. Meanwhile, I continue to pump my hands along the cocks of the monsters on either side of me. <laughs> Bye, Dima. You're going to miss out on a lot of gay dinosaur action right now. Yeah, See you, James. They're like, I, they're already way too turned on. They couldn't handle it. <laughs> okay. Meanwhile, I continue to pump my hands across the cocks of the monsters on either side of me, expertly satisfying all three of them at once. Eventually. This guy didn't even think he was gay for gay dinosaurs. Look at him now. He's finding himself. He's really finding himself. It's a coming of age. Eventually, I begin to move back and forth between their shafts, giving all the dinosaurs equal time between my lips as they pound away at my face. I'm completely cock-crazed at this point, losing track of which one is which as I take their rods down my throat, sometimes two at a time. Lost in a sea of frantic gay nymphomania, I take one of the dinosaur dicks and shove it down my throat as far as I can. Gag reflex be damned. Somehow I manage to loosen up enough to take the creature all the way into the depths of my neck, his entire length consumed as his balls hang on my chin and his green abs. I didn't know these dinosaurs had abs. Press hard against my face. The dinosaur holds me there for a minute, enjoying the sensation of complete immersion within, and then eventually he lets me up. 
Fuck, I gasped, unbuttoning my pants and kicking them off frantically. I need you inside of me. My shirt and underwear come off next, and soon I find myself nude down between the creatures on my hands and knees. One of the dinosaurs immediately kneels onto the kitchen floor behind me and aligns his cock with my tight, puckered asshole. I look back over my shoulder and watch as the massive beasts push forward, causing an unexpected yelp to escape my lips. Now that he's inside of me, the dinosaur is much larger than expected, stretching my limits with his enormous shaft. God damn, you're so fucking big, I moan, bracing myself on the tile against the creature's powerful slams. Ow. The dinosaur starts off slow and deep, pumping me this series of graceful slams that somehow hit in just the right way every time. As the creature speeds up, I open my mouth, once again to groan, only this time I'm cut off as another dinosaur plunges his shaft down my throat. Now ruthlessly pounded from either end, I can feel myself aching to come between them, and soon enough I've reached my hand down between my legs, frantically rubbing my cock, and help to help myself along. I can feel the throbbing warmth of orgasm starting to build within me growing larger and larger as it shoots down my arms and legs. I shut my eyes tight as my body quickly becomes overwhelmed by sensation, moaning into the rod that so brutally fills my mouth. With every push from the front, I propel backwards onto the other creature's shaft, back and forth between them. I'm just about ready to come from a powerful prostate orgasm when suddenly the dinosaurs remove themselves from me and let another pairing have a turn. Soon enough, these new beasts are pumping into my body with equal ferocity, starting slow, then building until they are hammering me with everything that they've got. I submit to the monsters completely, satisfied with my position as a gay fuck toy for these strange Jurassic creatures as they take turns swapping in and out of my holes. They go through every arrangement, each one of the ten dinosaurs having a turn in either orifice while I yearn for them to make me come. Suddenly, the dinosaur within my mouth pulls out and lifts me up to my feet. I stand naked and erect before them, my toned body exposed to their yellow dinosaur eyes as another one of them lifts me up into the air. I wrap my legs around the powerful prehistoric being, holding tight as he aligns his shaft with the reamed entrance of my asshole. The next thing I know, the dinosaur is lowering me down onto his rod, impaling my muscular frame onto his thick, girthy shaft. Oh my fucking god. I moan, throwing my head back in the warm kitchen light. That feels so fucking good. The dinosaur wastes no time getting to work, pumping me up and down over his thick rod with his powerful, scaly arms. The sensation is incredible as the monster controls my every movement, using my body in any way that he sees fit. Moments later, though, Another one of the strange beasts positions himself behind me, causing me to freeze up with apprehensive concern. How many of these fucking dinosaur dicks can Buck Krungle take? You can't be serious, I gasp, looking back at the ambitious dinosaur. Two at the same time? The dinosaur nods. <laughs> Never before had I even considered submitting myself to something so depraved, so dirty, so gay. But now... 
as I hang here in the monster's arms, surrounded by this gang of horny creatures, I can't help but be intrigued by the prospect. I take a deep breath and confidently reach down with both hands, spreading my ass cheeks so that the dinosaur can get a good look at my tight, already filled hole. Is this, is this good, Jimmy? Do you like these gay dinosaurs? This guy doesn't give out his real name. No, Chuck Tingle is real. He's a real doctor. Chuck, Chuck's real. Really? Yeah. The person who wrote this? Oh, yeah. Really? You can look him up? On some level, yeah. On a gay dinosaur level. <laughs> <laughs> we love you, Chuck. We do love you, Chuck. I'm honored to be reading this gay dinosaur porn. The sex is getting really intense now. I don't know how much more this little erotic writer could take. Oh, yeah, we got just a couple more pages. I have a feeling it's going to get worse before it gets better. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> <laughs> All this spaghetti, they, they're still not too full to destroy this little human's body. Okay. Never before had I considered submitting myself to something so depraved, so dirty, and so gay. But now, as I hang here in the monster's arms, surrounded by this gang of horny creatures, I can't help but be intrigued by the prospect. I take a deep breath and confidently reach down with both hands, spreading my ass cheeks so that the dinosaur can get a good look at my tight, already filled hole. Is this what you want? I ask seductively. Fine then, take it. The creature immediately steps forward and helps to lift me up in the air positioning himself behind me before lowering me back down onto a dual shaft anal invasion. Wait, I'm a little lost here. Like, does this one dinosaur have two dicks or there's two different dinosaurs? Fuck him. If I understand correctly, yeah. I think there are currently two dinosaurs fucking him. Okay, two separate dinosaurs have their dicks in his butt now. I thought from... I'm one not a Tingle scholar. Okay, okay. <laughs> I think that's for our listeners at home to decide. Okay. The monster's cocks enter me at the same time. Okay, there's two guys, yeah. Stretching my asshole well past anything I've ever felt. I howl in a mixture of pain and pleasure. Ow! Yeah! Ow! The dinosaurs quickly get to work, pounding my body, thrusting into me back and forth in perfect sync with one another. Their cocks work together within me like a dual piston motor, pumping in turn as I tremble and shake between their powerful dinosaur bodies. Oh my god, I start to murmur. Keep doing that, I'm so close. I reach down and begin frantically stroking my cock, pushing myself closer and closer to my impending orgasm until suddenly I just can't take it anymore and the beautiful sensation explodes through my body. I scream out loud and hold on tightly to the dinosaur that pounds me from below, my entire body racked with blissed out spasms of pleasure. Every muscle within me seems to contract and expand over and over again, wave after wave of sensation coursing through me like joyful electricity as jizz erupts from the head of my cock. It feels as though the coming will never end, and the dinosaur is never letting up for a second with their double dick pounding until finally, at long last, it passes and I collapse between them. God damn, that was so good. I groan while the monsters lower me down onto the kitchen floor below. I stretch out on my back, naked and muscular as the dinosaurs tighten their circle around me with their cocks in their claws, 
rock hard and aching to explode. Cover me with your cum, I command. I want to feel that hot gay dinosaur jizz all over me. Soon the creatures are unloading left and right, showering my body with splatterings of their milky white spunk. The first few shots blast across my face in haphazard cross, running down my cheeks on either side in a pearly mess while the others begin to come across my abs and pecs. It's not long before my entire body is covered in a sticky glaze. The spunk is layered so thick over my face that I can barely get my eyes open, blinking rapidly as I struggle to gaze up at the dinosaurs through the droplets of cum that hang from my eyelids. Oh my god, I laugh. I don't care if I'm just a character in a book. That was amazing. I sit up and wipe some of the renegade cum droplets from around my eyes. One of the dinosaurs approaches with a small wooden box. He leans down and opens it up, giving me a good look at the big red button inside. Want some inspiration? The dinosaur asks. Let's go deeper. Where? I ask. Anywhere you want, he responds. And I press the button. Da, da, da. Yeah, press that gay button. I feel like I really just found a lot of inspiration for myself, and I helped Buck Trungle find his inspiration too. I feel like uh, I know a lot more about dinosaurs than I ever knew before. Wow, can't believe this classic tale of learning that you are a fictional character created by an author on another timeline. What a classic way. Thank you to Prue Buckaroo Samantha Urbani for proving that love is real with this tale. As world's greatest author Chuck Tangle, I would like to say that, that as listeners and readers, you are so important to me in my way. Whether you are enjoying this show as a jokester way, or because it gets you hard as rocks, your joy is so important. If you walk with your headphones and smile wide as heck because this show, then you are making this timeline a little less lonesome for everyone else, and I appreciate that so much. So please understand that your way is meaningful to this timeline. All right, buckaroos, have a good trot today with your head held high. The lonesome train isn't here for us yet, so let's make today count. Love is real! Pounded in the Butt by My Own Podcast is a Night Vale Presents production. Written and hosted by Dr. Chuck Tingle. Our sound designer, editor, and composer is Vincent Cachillon. Our producer is Christy Gressman. Our assistant producer is Lindsay Cronmiller. The theme song is Proving Love is Real by Caged Animals. This episode was narrated by Samantha Urbani. The logo was created by Chuck Tingle. Very special thanks to Joseph Fink. You can get the book, Lonely Author, Pounded by Dinosaur Social Media Followers and many other classic tinglers on Amazon or at chucktingle.com. For more information, go to pounditinthebuttbymyownpodcast.com. Remember to subscribe wherever you like listening to podcasts. And thanks for listening. Our Plague Year, from the creator of Welcome to Night Vale, features writers and regular folks from all over the world, documenting this year, week by week, together. 
an island in a sea of bad headlines, an experiment in communal anxiety. It's a scary year, but it doesn't have to be scary alone. Our plague year. Find it wherever you get your podcasts.